Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7 on Jacob Sports. I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II, and I'm joined by none other than the man, the myth, John McMullen. How are you feeling today, sir? Uh, doing well. I'm trying to recover. Uh, tough day. Uh, hot day uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in South Philadelphia. For those who are local, they know that. Uh, for those who aren't local, uh, yeah, it was a steamy one, but... Uh, uh, they didn't move practice up. I thought they might um, ended up going uh, when they were supposed to at uh, 10 o'clock and um, everything went pretty well. Um, DK McDonald had to leave for a little bit, uh, but was able to come back to practice. Uh, so um, all good on that front. And uh, DK Boston Scott he's, he's the uh, DB's coach, right? Yes. Uh, Boston Scott. Uh, Looked a little banged up, maybe an ankle, but he was able to come back as well. So, okay. Um, everybody got through it pretty well. And um, now they'll have their first off day of camp, the players' off day, um, and be back to work on Sunday. How hot was it out there, actually? Because right now, where I am, it's about 99, 100. Um, it was into the night. Remember, it's 10 in the morning, so it got to be about 94 here, 3, 2, 3 in the afternoon. Um, but the heat index was over 100. So, um, you know, when you're talking about the real feel. Um, right. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty steamy, not much of a breeze. And um, but I mean. It's part of training camp, and everybody's got to get through it, and the Eagles seem to have gotten through it pretty well. Did they bring the Ritas out? Uh, The Ritas is out every day, uh, (laughs) every day. So, you know, nicest day, hottest day, it doesn't matter. Ritas is always out. I feel that, you know, like you said, it's, um, I guess, technically day four for them, but day two for you guys in terms of media media availability, and a lot of the players – uh, were available to speak today. Uh, Dallas Goddard, Milada, uh, Devontae, uh, Darius Slay. We, we even heard from Sean Desai, right? So, you know, let's start there. Let's start with Desai. Um, I had a chance to watch the press conference, but, you know, I want to pick your brain, right? You know, what feel, what vibe, you know, what are what, what are some of, some of the takeaways you have uh, from Sean Desai's press conference today? Um, similar to when he was introduced, this is our second time talking to him. Very smart guy, very cerebral uh, cerebral guy. Um, you know, he's got a master's in education. Um, so he kind of gave it back to my buddy, Martin Frank on a question about, um, you know, uh, teachers and things like that. And he kind of said, well, it, it, you know, you work with everybody and, and you try to get to a common goal. Um, so he, he's very, as I said, he's a very smart guy. Um, says the right things. I think he's he's better at branding, as I call it, than Jonathan Gannon was. He understands, uh, I think, the market a little bit better because he was here at Temple, um, even though, you know, obviously that's a lesser degree, but sort of understands the city a little bit. And, um, you know, but he's he's also kind of uh, understated and, and quiet and, uh, we'll see how that goes over as things move on. But, uh, you know, um, he's also getting used to it, getting 
getting his feet on the ground with a head coach who's very involved. You know, Nick Sirianni gets very involved. So uh, I think people don't realize that. And um, he, he sort of has these demands he wants of his defense. He's not a defensive guy. He admits he's not a defensive guy. He's not a defensive expert. But he looks at it from an offensive perspective in that he knows what defenses make things difficult for him. And that's what he once played by the Eagles. So he's got, um, and, and most notably, um, limit explosive plays because those those in turnovers, they call them the double positives, which Sean mentioned today. Uh, again, uh, the goal is to win those two battles. If you win those two battles, some really, really quirky things have have to happen for you to lose a football game. So they've done the studies and um, that's the goal. And I don't know if people are going to like it because they didn't like the scheme last year, but you know, I think they didn't like the scheme last year because of the guy running it. So um, maybe the branding helps. Yeah. That's something I'm curious about, right? Because, Desai is saying all the right things, right? You know, he's appealing to the Philly culture, you know, the blue collar culture. You know, he's talking all about having a, an extremely physical defense, uh, you know, and imposing their will on the opponent, so to speak. And, you know, it, make, it makes you wonder, can all his philosophies uh, be translated onto the field, right? And, you know, I guess my question for you is, because you brought up uh, JG, are there any parallels that you're seeing or experiencing uh, through the short amount of time that you've had with Sean Desai? Are there any parallels you see between him and JG and maybe their philosophies and how they approach the game? And um, also, are there any things that may intersect? Yeah, I mean, it's the the exact same philosophy. Um, same thing. It's the big Fangio scheme, the big Fangio sort of uh, authored uh, philosophy. And, you know, you're always a little bit different. I compare it to when Nick Siri, this remains Nick Sirianni's offense, but when you change from Nick to, to Shane Steichen, it was a little bit different because the play caller in the moment can be a little bit different. Um, but as far as the overriding philosophy, yeah, it's the same. Um, you know, variable fronts, the five-man front, the four-man front, the overhang players, the uh, trying to disguise coverage, uh, trying to spin off coverage, post snap so the quarterback has to take that extra split second to figure out what coverage they're in um yeah it's it's big scheme and they ran it last year and they're going to run it this year so but different people have different um sort of takes on it and spins on it and there's a lot of things you can do a little bit differently and you know, personnel makes a difference. They have five different starters, so it's going to look different. I, I mean, if you ask most Eagles fans, they think they changed schemes between uh, 2021 and 22. Not all. Some people get upset when I say that. Some people understood. A lot of people thought they changed. Because if you go back to 2021, you know, they had Jannard Avery playing Hassan Reddick's position. So, you know, you couldn't do – they didn't have a nose tackle. They had Javon Hargrave um, playing, you know, Jordan Davis' position or Linval Joseph's position. That's right. not – he does well. So they didn't do it as much as they wanted to. 
uh, because they didn't have the personnel. Once they got the personnel, they ramped it up. Now they've got five new starters, so we'll see how that affects it. Most notably, the linebackers and safeties. You know, maybe they can't do as much um, sort of complicated um, coverages um, that is sort of big uh, spin on defense in this league uh, because they're young players and maybe you can't put too much on, on the plate. So maybe it gets simplified a little bit and maybe it looks a little bit, but their goal is to get back to what they were last year um, philosophy wise. And we'll see if they can get there. You know, it, it makes me think, one of the biggest gripes on Gannon's defense previously was the lack of aggression, especially, uh, you know, with the back four, you know, with the DBs, right? Those guys playing off. And, you know, I think about showing the size uh, philosophy about trying to impose uh, your will, you know, on the opponent. And they're bo- they both obviously come from that Vic Fangio tree, right? So I guess my question for you, and you've covered this game for a long time, and you've seen different variations of the Vic Fangio defense. Is there an aggressive version of this defense? And if so, what does that typically look like? Uh, you saw it last year. Uh, the Eagles ran it the best. There were about 10 teams, 11 teams, I think, that ran it. The Eagles ran it the best. Uh, they're the fourth team in NFL history to have 70 sacks. That's pretty I mean, you know, they've been playing this game a long time. Now, Sachs hasn't been the stat the entire time. But, you know, pro football reference has gone back and 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 done the the, the history. And, and there are four teams that have had 70 sacks. The Eagles were one of them. Um, that's, you know, that's by nature pretty aggressive. I, I mean, yeah, like 76 is aggressive, right? When, you know, when you think about it by nature, I guess what I'm, what I'm really thinking about or, or trying to bring up is the DBs, right? You know, we saw the DBs playing back a lot, you know, five, six, seven yards off the line of scrimmage. Is there any way the Vic Fangio defense has cornerbacks playing closer to the line of scrimmage? Maybe more press? I mean, again, I'm asking you because, you know, you've seen this, you know, this defense played in so many different ways. No, it, it, it's a zone-heavy scheme, and it's it's um, um, you know there's a lot of mixed coverages. There's a lot of coverages that are zone that look like that have man principles. Okay. Um, that that the most difficult part of playing the defense is in the secondary, and it's got to do with communication because if you got the good Fangio defense communicate well on the back end, which the Eagles did for the entire season. They communicated the best on the back end right up until the second half of the Super Bowl. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, the bad Fangio defenses, uh, there's blown coverages all over the place, um, which you kind of saw in the Super Bowl. The Eagles were bad. You saw the bad version in the Super Bowl, just blown coverages. Um, and that's not that's very atypical of, of Darius Slay, of, of Bonte Maddox, of, of, of you know, the safeties last year, Marcus Epps, CJ Gardner Johnson, and, and James Bradbury might be the savviest uh cornerback I've seen in a long time. So that was very uncharacteristic of that group. Um, 
And then, you know, be careful what you wish for. I mean, Slay is a great press coverage corner. He has been for years. Um, but he is, he's also 32 years old now. Uh, Bradbury's a zone corner. Um, you don't want him playing press. He's He may be the, the best zone corner in football. But if you put him out there and press, um, you, he's not going to look nearly as good. So, yeah. And and the the whole goal, and by the way, this is everybody. Every single defensive coordinator in this league, every single one of them wants to get home with four so they can cover with more people on the back end. The only people that blitz a lot are the people that need to blitz a lot. Everybody wants more bodies to cover. And that's the goal Unfortunately, I talk about it all the time. Professional sports has become a math equation. It's more noticeable in basketball and baseball, but it's the same thing in football. The only the whole thought process behind Vic defense is the extra body. The extra body's got to go in coverage, not the pass rush or run support. And that's the whole that's simplified, boiled down. That's all it is. The extra body goes to coverage. Speaking of Darius Slay, obviously the Matt Patricia story came up again for him, and he addressed it. He, uh, you know, he made it pretty clear that those guys, you know, squashed their beef, and um, they're going to move forward, you know, for the betterment of the team. Right? Um, I'm curious. Uh, so far, and again, it hasn't been that much time, and you've only been able to see things uh, for you know for the second day today. Um, have you been able to get a sense or an overall feeling for uh, the impression Matt Patricia is having? Uh, you know, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, what, what does it look like to have a Matt Patricia um, working behind the scenes um, within this organization? You know, how is he moving around on the field? You know, talking to guys. Like, I guess I know he's the senior defensive assistant, but um, wh- where along the way have you seen him uh, gravitating more so towards? Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I'm trying to get it from Nick. I asked Nick. I asked Sean today. <laughs> I I don't know what he's why he's here. I don't know what he's doing. Um, you know, this position didn't exist last year, right? Um, either did Marcus Brady's. You know, they lost both coordinators. Um, he doesn't seem to be involved with Sean Desai. I asked Sean today, and Sean was like, eh, you know, he he doesn't seem to be involved with. Sean's job so you know Nick called him a sounding board maybe that's all it is maybe Mm -hmm. he's a you know he's a former head coach he's you know he said he was Nick said he was fascinated uh, which a lot of coaches are with uh, the Belichick mode of, of coaching as they should be and maybe it's as simple as that he just wants him around to pick his brain but I don't think he's involved with uh the defense all that much. I hmm. think he's there to be sort of a advice giver uh, more than anything else. And, but we'll see how it shakes out, you know, and more so because I think the offense is going to be fine. Um, they got to replace two starters, but um, I think they're going to be able to do that to at least a competent level. The defense, right. I got a lot of, questions about now the defensive line is tremendous it's it's 
unbelievably talented and gifted. The corners are, are really good. The starting corners just got to stay healthy. But I, I got a lot of questions um, about linebacker and safety. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think that defense is going to come down to the defensive line getting pressure to sort of make up for the deficiencies on the back end. And maybe they're able to do it. Maybe they aren't. But there's more room for hiccups on the defensive side of the ball. And if that that starts to happen, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Nick handles it, whether – because Matt's got a lot of experience and, you know, Sean's a young defensive coordinator. And if this is a tough town, as you know, I mean, number two wasn't good enough. Number one passing defense, 70 sacks, making the Super Bowl wasn't good enough. That's a pretty high standard to say that's not good enough, especially in the modern NFL. So, I mean, Nick knows that. It's, it's clear. I mean, you know, uh, some footage got released uh, today. I'm pretty sure you've already seen it. You've seen it in person, probably. Um, with Nick, you know, you know, kind of land, you know, kind of land into the offense. You know, he, I, I think his exact words were, you know, it's got to be perfect, uh, because if it ain't, if it ain't perfect, it ain't gonna be perfect when it's, you know, when things going on in the game. So, I mean, yeah, I that was that was during the ball security drill. I, I think, okay. you know, Nick is yelled pretty. Uh, passionately yeah. at both he's practices. no stranger to it right but i don't know it just seems to me and maybe maybe it's just the access maybe more is just being leaked out maybe the expectations yeah, are- i i think he's it's purposeful but it's purposeful okay. he's trying to fight uh complacency um because everybody's picking the eagles to go back to the super bowl and um you know giving them flowers and mm blowing smoke up there you know what and telling them how great they are yeah. that um, makes it even harder when you're dealing with guys like you know jen carter and Noah smith and those georgia boys not saying they're overconfident or they're complacent but you know when you're dealing with a roster that just came off a super bowl run um they didn't win it but obviously they made it there and then you have most of your draft class you know coming off of a national championship there's a lot of confidence permeating in that in, in that locker room man it's very easy to, like you said, get complacent. Um, you know, how do you, how do you see Nick Sirianni? You know, you know, balancing that. You know, with all these guys who are so used to winning and so used to winning their matchups. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you talk about guys, and not only the Georgia guys, but if you go back to the Alabama guys, you know, Jalen and and Devontae and and Landon Dickerson and. You know, having high standards is not a bad thing. Um, you know, if you hold yourself up to that high standard, um, it can be very, very helpful. Um, if you assume um, you're going to win because you won in the past, um, that's where you get in trouble. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in trouble. Why not? Let's get in trouble on this show. Um, <laughs> I, I see the right way more from the Alabama guys than the Georgia guys. Um, hmm. um, you know, I think Nick, Nick Saban, he, he's, he's, he's figured it out. Um, as far as having that consistent success and still preaching, 
you know, if you don't do the job every day, what Nick says, you're not, you're not going to be back. Um, the Georgia guys strike me as, Hey, we're really good. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but this is the NFL, the St. Georgia. Everybody's really good. Right. Um, and there's a difference. And, and Jordan figured it out. Jordan Davis, um, after year one, he knew he had to get in better condition. Um, you hope Nicobe figured it out, but we don't know because he only played 34 snaps. I don't think you have to worry about it with Nolan Smith at all because he's got sort of like a Brandon Graham mentality of just going 100 miles an hour uh, every play. And Jalen Carter, we know how gifted he is and how talented he is, but uh, he's had some conditioning concerns if you go back to his pro day uh, and, and his time at Georgia. So we'll see how it shakes out. But the Alabama guys, Devontae, Jalen, they're just, man, they're just, they're locked in. Landon. Yeah. Those guys are very low key, very locked in, very, um, very routine, very, uh, how do you, they're very buttoned up. Let's just say that. Save big on your Memorial day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, body armor, super drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> extremely, extremely, um, extremely locked in to the point, you know, and Jalen brought up rat poison, which comes from Nick Saban very early in his sort of T-shirt career, I call it, you know, with all the T-shirt slogans. And, um, you know, Nick is – I have a lot of respect for Nick Saban, and um, it's because of the players that he coached and how they they come off. Um, It's pretty impressive. Um, And and Georgia's just a bunch of talented guys, really, really talented guys. And we'll see – um, if it can translate, but you know, we're here, right. It, I think people are being too hard on Jordan Davis and I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, but it's fair to say, you know, he wasn't a star as a rookie. Uh, Nicobe, again, couldn't get on the field as a rookie. Um, so there's still a lot of uncertainty for all the hype over those guys. There's still, there's still a lot of uncertainty with those guys. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say, you know, people are really hard on Jordan. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, and, and, and I'll fully admit that. Right. But to be fair to him, to be quite fair to him, um, honestly, you know, you think about a guy like Quinn and Williams for the jets who just got paid. He didn't really show those. I'm pretty sure he had flashes, but he didn't really start hitting his stride until about year three, year four. Year four was the breakout year, which earned him uh, that mega deal. So um, I guess that begs the question, is D-tackle one of those positions that you just have to be patient for? Not necessarily. I mean, Aaron Donald was Aaron Donald day one. But, I mean, um, he is a freak, much. though, right? Aaron Donald is an anomaly. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to go down that route with Jalen Carter, but I think, 
Chandler Carter's gifted enough to where he could be a good player as a rookie, a really good player as a rookie. Um, and there are certain guys who can do it. But, yeah, I mean, at, that most most players need a little bit of time to sort of even, – even the great players. I go back to Javon Kirsten when he's with the Titans and he exploded uh, uh, into the league. But he was still very limited. He was a pass rusher. He was a great pass rusher. And then he, as he went on, he became a great player. And I got to cover Randy Moss, who was just absurd as a rookie. But, you know, he had Chris Carter and Jake Reed doing all the dirty work, and he was running go routes, you know. Uh, and, and later in his career, he became a great all-around receiver. <clears throat> so most players take a little bit of time. Um, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that that's the case. Yeah, especially, you know, you know, this is kind of going back to what you said about the Georgia guys kind of having that 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 unfaltering confidence and, you know, just knowing, you know, how good they are <clears> and, you know, comparing it to the comparing it to the Alabama guys, regardless of whatever program you may come from or what you may feel, you know, those guys are going to be going up against specifically, you know, uh, Jordan Davis, uh, Jalen Carter, and Nolan Smith, those guys, they're, they're going to be going up against guys like Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, you know, um, Jordan Melata. Those, those, those are the kind of guys that can humble you really quickly, um, especially Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. So uh, that, you know, that, that kind of leads me into my next question. You know, you saw, well, the word is, you know, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith continue to uh, make some noise in training camp. Again, it's very early. But, you know, it's exciting to talk about, um, you know, what stood out to you today uh, about Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter? Well, Nolan um, uh, had a big day today um, showing off his athleticism. Hassan Reddick hasn't practiced yet because he's got a little bit of a groin strain. Right. Um, so he's afforded he's he's, he's that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So he's getting more time with the ones and the twos, Nolan Smith, than he would be typically. Uh, and he's looked pretty good. But, you know, Jordan talked to us uh, after practice today. He's like, you know, where did we get the pads on? You know, when when you're talking about Lane Johnson and, and the sackless streak, which is ridiculous and goes back to, man, he, he, hasn't, let a, he hasn't let anybody hit Jalen Hurts since – 2021 forget about a sack a hit must be tough since <laughs> since 2020 um which is just absurd um and you know i i have a lot of confidence in in, in nolan smith but i think he's going to be a really good player but I don't think he's going to be a really good player in Eagles practice when the pads come on because, you know, Lane's been stopping Bond Miller and Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Park and everybody else week after week. And I mean, that guy's good. And Jordan Mylotta and Landon Dickerson are so, so physical. They just beat people up. Um, yeah. The Eagles, the Eagles offensive line will show up when the pads come on. But the good news is 
um, the Eagles defense doesn't have to play the Eagles offensive line. That's right. the good news. So I don't think you have to worry about those guys. But when when you see the pads come on and you see Nolan maybe not doing as much, I, w- I wouldn't worry about it is what I'm trying to say. Because, right. you know, Micah Parsons can't get by Lane Johnson. So, you know, I wouldn't I mean, worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. Like, iron sharpens iron at, at the end of the day. So, going up against Lane Johnson, Kelsey and those boys, I mean, a lot of Dickerson, going up against all those guys, it's only going to make you a better pass rusher, you know, uh, at the end of the day. So, uh, I want to kind of jump over to the offensive side of the ball really quickly. Um, anything that stood out to you on the offensive side, maybe from Jalen Hurts, maybe from Goddard or, or, or those receivers, Brown, Smith, or the running backs? Um, I heard Swift was <clears> able to turn some heads today as well. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of working on the running game today, um, trying to get uh, you know their their sort of run scheme down, and, and and they're trying to figure out who they're going to use. And Nick Sirianni said on Wednesday, you know, don't pay attention to who's running with the ones or the twos because we're just going to rotate these guys, and we'll start to see. And, he, and, and he's been true to his word. I think, you know, Swift's got like eight touches in the first two pa- practices. Uh, Penny's got like seven. I think it was eight, seven, six, five. I think Penny's got seven. Gainwell, six, maybe in Boston, five. And then Trey Sermon's got eight with DeAndre. So they tr- he's been true to his word. He's been splitting – um, the work pretty evenly trying to figure out what the best way to go is that at that particular position. But yeah, with Swift, it, it's, you know, it's the receiving game. And uh, I ultimately, I think he's going to be the lead back, you know, barring health issues, obviously. Um, and it's, it's the receiving game and not, not dump offs, not that kind of stuff. Actual play design for DeAndre Swift because he's a good receiver. Um, but as as camp goes on, I expect they're not throwing the ball. They had a red zone practice, basically, so very um, condensed area, short field, and today was more of a running practice. And I just gave you those numbers of, of touches for the running backs. Well, I think other than Goddard and Brown, I think Devontae's got two targets. Quez has got two targets and Zacchaeus has got three or maybe three had a pretty good, they haven't even been throwing the ball. So, you know, it's very early that trust me, they'll get involved with the passing game. Right. You know, I'm curious, you know, with Swift and Kenny Gainwell having such a similar skill set in terms of how they play the game, uh, play the position, being being those uh, dual threat running backs, guys that can uh, run and catch the ball pretty efficiently and effectively. Um, how do you see that translating to the football field? Could Swift's presence have a negative impact on Kenny and his opportunities in the passing game or, you know, do you anticipate any kind of situations where you may see 
Kenny and Swift on the field at the same time just to give them more pass catchers? No, no, um, no. Uh, the Eagles, remember, the Eagles have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. So right. that's where their passing game goes. Um, you know, one, obviously, A.J.'s one. At times, Dallas has been two. Devontae's been two. And the other is three. So wouldn't um, adding the running backs to that equation diversify the offense a little bit, make them a little bit more or less predictable? Well, and that's where Swift comes in. But, okay. you know, when guys get open, you don't have to be predictable. Like A.J., they only they didn't throw the ball much today. The first play was one of the biggest plays, 30 yards down the field. A.J. Um, just out sort of bodying Josiah Scott. Um for an easy pitching catch, essentially. And Josiah had pretty good coverage, but AJ's so big. And then um, on a slant pass, there's like nothing you can do as a defensive back because even when he's not open, he's open because of his body size. Um, I always, you know, I think, you know, <laughs> people always knock on not only Jalen Hurts, but any quarterback. Well, he doesn't go to his second or third progression you've heard that for many quarterbacks over the years guess what if your first progression is open you're not supposed to go to your second progression you throw the stinking football aj's twitter account is always open for a reason right, right. Always i was thinking open. that way i was thinking when you said that he's uh he's uh, even when he's not open he's open i literally was thinking about that Devontae's always open dallas is always open i mean you know, you if if somebody stops it, then I'll listen to the diversity talk. Okay, I'm not getting people involved over star players just to get people involved. Doesn't make sense to me. Doug Peterson uh, taught me that long ago when he was getting crap over Matt Collins was a starting receiver for that little stretch because of injuries and he wasn't getting a target. And, you know, Doug was incredulous and he said it to us behind the scenes. So I couldn't talk about it, but then eventually he said it in front of the camera. So I could talk about it, it was one of the great Doug Peterson lines of all time. He was like, he's the sixth option talking about poor Matt Collins. If I, if I run plays for my sixth option, you guys should kill me. Um, why would you do that? And he's 100% right. He was looking at a certain reporter that everybody knows. He <laughs> said it. Um, why would you do it? Why? And that, and remember, this is a time where they didn't have A.J. Brown right. and Devontae Smith and Dallas guy. Why would you do it? Doesn't make any sense to me. Sorry, Matt Collins, for catching a straight bullet there. Um, <laughs> uh, as we begin to close the show, John, I want to touch on one final point. Uh, Derek Barnett, you know, the Eagles did agree to, well, he agreed to restructure his contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, his original contract was worth up to $8.5 million. Uh, it dropped down to, I believe, having a max value of $6 million, So they basically saved about $2.5 million, uh, or he took a $2.5 million pay cut, however you want to look at it. But, um, I guess my final question for you is, um, do you anticipate, well, we kind of talked about this, but the, clearing up that extra $2.5 um, are you hearing 
that the Eagles may be gearing up to make some kind of play for, uh, you know, someone in free agency or, you know, what are you hearing uh, around the grapevine in terms of the moves that, moves that they could potentially make with that extra $2.5 million? I mean, they, uh, yeah, Howie knows he needs a linebacker. Um, he might need a safety. We'll see how things shake out. I thought it was interesting, man. They, they gave Kayvon Wallace first-team reps today, which I did not see coming. Hmm. Um, I Talk don't about think being unpredictable. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a good sign. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we've been so hyper-focused on linebacker, which is an obvious need. Um, safety uh, might still be a, a need as well. So, but these, no, it, that his restructured contract is not about going out and getting another player. Okay. Uh, um, the Eagles have plenty of room to do whatever they want to do pre-Derek Barnett, certainly post-Derek Barnett. Um, it's just, you know, they're very disciplined. And, you know, this is not only about 2023, but 2024 and 2025 as well. Uh, when it comes to the salary cap, they usually – sort of have it in three-year increments. Um, so, yeah, everybody gets hyped up. They, it, it never has to do with one thing, with with Howie. And that's a good thing, by the way. Um, but he knows um, they need some help. I, it, long with Derek Barnett, I mean, in, in many ways, this could make him even more tradable as far as getting um, – something back but you know for now the eagles they know as i said that defense up front is going to have to carry that defense and they want to come at people in waves and right now they like the insurance policy now if everybody stays healthy and jalen carter's ready to go um and Jordan Davis has taken a, a step, and Nolan Smith looks like he's ready for major reps. And I'm obviously talking about tackles and edge players. Um, maybe they feel they don't need Derek Barnett later in the summer, and maybe they can trade him. But um, he's, a, he's a solid rotational player, and I think people get caught up. I was talking about this with Jody this morning. You know, all right. He didn't live up to the billing as a first-round pick. That's over. That doesn't mean he's a bad football player. It's not a bad football player. It just didn't live up to the hype of a first-round pick. Um, he's got value, and the Eagles know he's got value. You guys are locked in on Football 24-7 on Jacob Sports. Make sure you guys smash that like button, continue to stay engaged in the content, continue to comment below. Uh, if you want more content from John, make sure you guys check him out on jkipsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. John, before we get out of here, uh, any final thoughts, any final words, um, you know, care to share anything that you're working on um, article-wise? Um, and also, can you give us any word on the next moves for the Philadelphia Eagles in terms of the practice schedule? Um, they are off tomorrow. Uh, the players are literally off, so – um, on Thursday, they had a walkthrough. So uh, people are saying they, they were not off. Just reporters were not allowed. The players are actually off tomorrow. Then they're back on the practice field Sunday. Um, 
and and they continue to go through this process of 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 um, you know keeping the players fresh and i think they got emboldened by what happened with joe burrow out in cincinnati even further uh because he practiced and all of a sudden um he's got to put that cat uh, that sleeve on his calf because he feels a little bit sore and then all of a sudden he hurts his calf that's what the eagles are trying to avoid with these all right practice walk through practice off day practice off day walk through you know things like that that's what they're trying to do um and i think they're ahead of the curve from that standpoint but you're also you know they have more things to clean up right they have to get five starters on defense they have to integrate a new defensive coordinator so i do think there's going to be some sloppiness um and that's the bad part of you know lack of preparation, so to speak. You guys heard it here first. Again, make sure you guys smash that like button, stay engaged. Look, you guys, we, there's still a lot of time left in this offseason. Like John said, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs when it comes to this Philadelphia Eagles defense. And um, by my estimation, if I had to really roll the dice, you may not see a finished product when it comes to this defense until about maybe – week five, week six, maybe week seven. You never really know because you're dealing with so many young guys, so much uh, so much turnover uh, at core positions like the linebacker and the safety positions. That The middle of the field is very compromised for your Philadelphia Eagles. But, you know, Howard Roseman knows that, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't put it past him, honestly, to make a move um, prior to week one, especially when you consider what he did with CJ, GJ, and uh, guys like that. So, again, make sure you guys yeah. – Continue to stay Real locked quick, in. Uh, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson, August thirtieth. That's when the Eagles acquired him. So, plenty of time. Plenty, plenty of, of time. time. Plenty of time, you guys. So, don't panic. Don't panic. I know you guys have got a lot of confidence in, confidence in the Kobe Dean, but he still has a lot to prove. He is a very big unknown on his defense, and you know, regardless, a lot of these guys have something to prove. It's not just him. So, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be really interesting to see play out in full form. But again, you guys truly know that Jacob Sports is going to be on top of it, especially when we got our guy, our Eagle insider, John McMullen, on the scene. Make sure you guys, again, smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Also, in case you missed this live, you can always watch this after the fact. That's that's the best thing about YouTube, right? You never have to watch things on our time. You can watch it on your own time. That's that new digital age that we're in. And make sure you guys catch this. On demand, baby. On On demand. demand. Yes, sir. On demand. On that note, you guys, smash that like button, stay engaged. I'm your guy, Tony Sills II. He's John McMullen. You guys were locked in on Football 24-7 on the Jacob Sports Network. Take care. One love. Stay humble. Stay healthy. And most importantly, stay hungry, you guys. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.